I went to the symphony orchestra today. <laughs> oh, I, I'm telling you because, <laughs> like, there was four or five different instruments that I, I confidently felt like mm. I could maybe do. <laughs> okay. The triangle. Mm, yes. And then there was one guy with, like, a set of cymbals. Did they have a cowbell? No, they didn't have a cowbell. Oh, you gotta but have more cowbell. He did more than just the symbols. I think I could only do the symbols. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there was two, and then the maestro. <laughs> like what I liked about the maestro conductor was when he walked out. I think it's a conductor. I don't think it's no. A maestro. They well, they refer to him as maestro, like Mister Maestro. Oh, isn't that the guy from the Marvel movies or something? Maestro, maybe, but it means the guy that conducts the symphony. Mm. When he walked out, everybody stood up. And I thought, in the course of a day, I, like, do a lot of conducting. Like, you do this, you do that, get up off the couch, go do this. There's a lot of arm movements and passion. You don't have a special stick. But nobody, though. I don't have a special stick, and nobody stands up when I walk in the room. I should get you a special Maybe stick. Maybe we should change that. All right, are you ready for the story? It's a good one. Welcome to a new creation podcast, everyone. Uh, my name is Amy, and I'm here with my husband, Jason. Hello. Hi, Jason. So I have a really good, I have a good, strange story. Are you ready? It's just literally titled, Strange Story. Okay. Mm. So the story is about Mitch. This is back in 2004. Mitch was in his final semester in his senior year at college in Louisiana. Okay. And he meets another senior named Kayla. And he, like, just falls head over heels for her immediately and spends months trying to woo her. She's, <laughs> like, not immediately. Wait a minute. Did you say that or was that in the story? I said that. It just said that, he's, that he pursued her for months. And I he's said. He's courting her. He tried to woo her. Mm. He's going to woo her. Woo her. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let the wooing commence. I even even wrote down here, woo, spelled W-O-O. Okay. So, start dating, and after graduation, they stay in Louisiana, and after two years, they get married, right? And almost immediately, Kayla gets pregnant. Uh, Mitch was doing so well at his job that Kayla was able to stay home and raise their daughter. Awesome. A couple years later, Kayla gets pregnant again, and when their daughter was two, they had their son. So Mitch like adored his children. He was a really good dad. He literally at one point said he just looked at his life and thought, my life is perfect. Shortly after his son was born, though, Mitch was lounging in the living room and he was watching TV and he like looks over and he notices this red lamp in the corner of the room and it like looks blurry, right? So he looks around and the whole room was in focus except for this one red lamp weird, huh? He walks right over to the lamp to get as close as he can to it, and strangely, the lamp was still blurry. All right, what do you think's happening? He's got a brain tumor. <laughs> That'd be obvious, then why would I tell you the story? <laughs> okay, so Mitch, well, he, but he was worried he was sick. He was worried he had a brain tumor, so, um, but, and he thought maybe, well, maybe his eyes are going, he didn't tell anyone. He did not tell Kayla. So he goes back to watching TV, but he could not ignore this lamp 
that was like in his peripheral vision. So he turns to look at the lamp and now the lamp appeared to be upside down, just the lamp. A few moments later, his wife and kids come home and he doesn't tell them because he doesn't want to worry them. Um, he just proceeds to have dinner and get everyone to sleep. While he was laying in bed, he just couldn't stop thinking about this lamp. So he goes back downstairs to look at the lamp. For hours, he watches this lamp. Any thoughts? He ate some bad Chinese food or that had bad mushrooms in it? No. The next morning, Kayla found him on the couch. And he just told Kayla he didn't feel good and he just wasn't going to go to the work that day. So for the next three days, Mitch just sat there staring at the lamp. And Kayla, like, urged him to go to a doctor. She's real worried. So you have to understand, like, this guy is, like, a go-getter kind of guy. He has a great job, super, like, you know, involved dad. And now he's just laying on the couch for days staring at a lamp. Soon after, Mitch became unresponsive, like, unable to talk. And uh, his wife is obviously starts freaking out. So she calls the doctor. And while she's on the phone, Mitch heard her talking to the doctor, but the lamp had grown so big at this point that it was taking up the entire room and all he could see was the color red and he just everything goes dark so soon he hears these distant screams and sirens and he feels like this blinding pain in his head and he opens his eyes and he sees he's on the sidewalk beside one of the buildings at his college in Louisiana and he looks around there's a group of people all gathered around looking down at him and Mitch had no idea what was going on and he starts looking around for Kayla and his kids. So a policeman runs over, picks him up, and throws him in the back of his patrol car and starts, like, rushing him to the hospital. All the while, Mitch is asking for Kayla. The officer told him, you'd been attacked by a huge college football player who knocked him out. And then when he, when he went unconscious, he fell and he hit his head on the pavement. And he asked again about his wife and kids. But that's when it clicked. The lamp wasn't real. Neither was his wife or his kids or anything about his life for the past 10 years. It was all a hallucination from when he was unconscious. He made a full recovery, but he became like intensely depressed and he missed his family terribly. He would get therapy and he says he doesn't remember much about his family now, but sometimes he catches a glimpse of his son in his dreams. What do you think? That took a really weird turn. Did you see that coming? No. Uh-uh, right? Mm -hmm. So. Where do you find these stories? Oh, everywhere. I look <laughs> everywhere. But three words. You ready? Mm. New nightmare unlocked. <laughs> what if you are just a fever dream? The <laughs> last 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been like, like, you know. You got hit by a football player. Yeah. Like, what if I got hit by a football player and just wake up and you're gone? I think I'd feel pretty bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me. What was, remember that one movie we watched with Nicolas Cage where it was like the Christmas movie where he like wakes up and he's married to Tia Leone and he has a whole family and then, then he wakes up again and the family's gone and it was all like a modern take on uh, Scrooge. Do you not remember? May, I don't know. Maybe I was knocked unconscious and that was a fever dream. <laughs> About Nicolas Cage. Crazy story, huh? <laughs> Are you ready for my, my more important story that I found from the Word? Yes, definitely. Okay. So 
you and I have talked about this before. I love James. I did that study on James um, through the Dallas Seminary, and it just blew my mind how much James had to say. So James, being the brother of Christ, didn't really know he was the Messiah till after his death. And But man, he became so convicted. So James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. The Greek word that's used for the crown of life is Stephanos. So Stephanos is what it actually translates to is the victor's crown. The picture that Stephanos, the victor's crown, gives me is the idea that, you know, it is not going to be an easy fight. The victor's crown is based off of the Roman arena, like a gladiator arena. That last man standing receives that victor's crown. He's broken. He's bruised. He's bloody. He's, I mean... He is in bad shape and he goes before God, you know? I mean, you're, you're fighting for your life to be able to receive that crown. So congratulations to those of us who suffer for Christ, who go through trials and tribulations, but understand the power that lies within us with the Holy Spirit. I just love that picture. And I think that that, especially when you talk about the realm of recovery, that's such an important picture. Yeah, I know we've talked about this before. And it's just, yeah, just that whole idea you know, we're his creation and he's put this, we're created to do his works that leads us down this path, but we stray, you know, because of free choice, free will. And, but when he brings us back and he's put us on that path and set us back on that path, and will we stray again? Possibly, probably, most likely. Um, but again, we we continue just to, to move forward in him and in his will for us. And that's just that day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute thing of looking to him for for everything and, and 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 turning your life over to him and your will i mean you turn your life over to him but then you turn your will over to him on a daily basis and i think that's just mm-hmm. that makes it a little bit more easy than than to mm-hmm. think like i got to get this whole thing right right but when we talk about now going before christ that picture of it's not supposed to be easy like we are in a fight for our lives we're in a fight good and evil every single day you know we have to fight temptation we have to fight for our kids we have to fight for our marriage we have to fight and that sounds exhausting but that's the thing is it's not because we have the power of god within us but we are still in a fight we're still in a battle and and i think sometimes people can be discouraged when they feel they feel like this is too much the reality is is all of us who are walking with christ are fighting a battle and my fight may look different than your fight but when the time comes, we'll all stand before God, broken and bruised and battered. It's just going to be different demons that we've been fighting along the way. And that, rem- and that reminder for people to don't be discouraged because the- those times that are the hardest for you and you're persevering through that with God, that's the jewels that you carry into heaven. That's your inheritance. Yeah. I, I, everybody's walking their own path and everybody has walked to that point. A different path. I mean, nobody's life is the same, and that how boring would that be if we're all were the same? Mm-hmm. I think about that a lot when people want to like cast, you know, whatever aspersions or cast, you know, point their finger at people, and it's like that's what makes the world just this amazing creation that we're all so different. Yet, honestly, when you boil down to it, some of the parts of us are still the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all have that those little voices in our heads, and we all have the the worry and the doubt. It's just that, that kind of continued hope and faith and, and just walking with him. If we choose that, it's full of love. 
mean, mm-hmm. that's that's literally what it is. It's just love. When you can find, you know, just a spot or a place or people have that same that relationship with them that on the that basic level where you're not judging them, you're not looking mm-hmm. at them differently. You're just seeing a person who's hurting and who needs help, who needs a kind word, mm-hmm. who needs to be seen as a human or as a as a child of God, mm-hmm. which we all are. I also think that as we as we fight, right? As we fight each in our own individual battles, God puts us together, especially in recovery, so we can fight alongside of each other. We can recognize the person next to us fighting and we can fight with them. So that kind of leads me into what you talked about on Friday, which was uh, moral inventory. I thought the talk was fantastic. And I really liked um, the idea, especially what you said about when you're doing moral inventory, that it's a sandwich, that you have one good thing, one bad thing, one good thing. And that you're not just picking yourself apart, right? And you're not also being blind to the things you've done or the people that you've hurt. I think that's really important. I think it's ongoing. Uh, inventory process obviously this whole thing is a process the inventory is a, a really good tool it's it's an amazing tool but you got to like kind of own it you got to kind of mm-hmm. like you got to jump in um and you need somebody there with you too and that was the other important part that we looked at and that we talked about the week before it took me a while like if you're going to own all the bad stuff which is so easy for that little voice like we talked about that mm-hmm. that's in our head that we hear all the time all the bad stuff and we also get to own all the good stuff mm-hmm. And if you're having problems with the good stuff, that, that was my problem is I couldn't. And luckily, Joe, we had to break it down so small to just simply making time to spend with my son. Mm-hmm. And that was a good thing, that we're going to inventory that. And we did. And then we did something bad, mm-hmm. you know, a hurt or hang up a habit. And then we did another good one and just kind of sandwiched them like that. It's just changing that thought process, changing mm-hmm. that attitude. Like we're not all bad i mean no we're not all good but we're not all bad Mm -hmm. and no matter where you're at i mean god will find you there and use that to shape you and to bring you and and we talk about guilt versus condemnation guilt he wants that guilt to push you back towards him Mm -hmm. but then once once that occurs you mean like conviction versus condemnation yeah (laughs) but i mean they use guilt but yeah conviction Mm -hmm. i would say too i mean but that guilt pushes you back into line with Mm -hmm. like what god has for you but once it's done it's done Mm-hmm. And you let it go. You lay it at the foot of the cross and you move on. You don't forget it, obviously, but you know you're forgiven for it. Mm-hmm. So moral, and we're going to get into uh, inventory, not mm-hmm. this week, but the week after. Week after, yeah, because we've got Thanksgiving this week. So mm-hmm. lots of eating coming up. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Well, listen, uh, if you guys want more of us, you can check us out on, <laughs> who doesn't want more of us? You can check us out on Celebrate Recovery Emmaus Road on Facebook. You can come see us every Friday night at Emmaus Road Community Church at 6 p.m. in Laramie, Wyoming. And you can come back here and listen to us every Tuesday, and we'll have more great things to talk about. So why are you laughing? They are great things. They're fantastic things. And I promise this is not a fever dream. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys. We love you all, and have a great night. Good night.